Hello, and welcome back to the Sagus podcast, Making Adjustments, where we take a thoughtful dive into an element of culture or a current event that could benefit from a few healthy adjustments. If you're new here, Sagus is the sexual assault, counseling, and information service, and we serve survivors of sexual violence as well as their significant others in the Eastern Illinois area. It is our mission to end sexual violence in society, and we recognize that intersections of identities, different backgrounds, and experiences all contribute to a culture of violence and oppression. January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month, and today we are joined by a special guest to answer some of the more commonly asked questions and let you know more about how you can be a part of the fight to end trafficking. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Good morning. Um, today I'm joined by SACUS Director of Prevention, Amanda. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. So yes, I'm Amanda Fetter, and as Alyssa said, I'm the Director of Prevention here at SACUS, and I've been in this role for six years now. Thank you, and thanks for being willing to talk to us today on the podcast. Um, so this month is Human Trafficking Awareness Month, and I know you have an extensive background with human trafficking, um, so I guess we'll just start with something basic. Can you give me an overview or a definition of human trafficking? Yeah, so human trafficking, it involves the use of force, fraud, and coercion to obtain any type of labor or commercial sex act. So basically, it's the exploitation of an individual without their consent that's continuous in whatever services are being um, shared or any transaction related to it. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, and what are some common signs or warning flags that you might see um, in our area? Yeah, so especially in rural communities, there are a lot of considerations to be had. So... Think about how there's more distance between residences, which can provide lack of access to getting to a safe house if someone's trying to leave a situation, or even just trying to find local resources. So transportation is a huge issue within our rural community, as it Mm -hmm. is in other ones. So that's a really big one. Um, There's also less job opportunities here, at least in a formal structure. So lots of under-the-table work, um, limited services or jobs that are available and posted. And some of those can be safe, but we don't know, right? And it can Mm -hmm. be really hard to report something like that when it is under the table. So we see a lot of community-based transactions occurring, which can unfortunately breed human trafficking as well. Um, Let's see. Also, truck stops. We have a ton in our area. Right. So, yep, we got the interstate by us, a couple of them, right? Mm -hmm. And truck stops are unfortunately a hub for human trafficking, too. So, mostly sex trafficking, but also labor and also transporting people who are possibly being trafficked. Mm -hmm. So, it's really important to pay attention um, in those settings as well. And then also consider how we live in small and close-knit communities, which I love about our town, which I love about our county, right? Um, And I do appreciate that. But it's really interesting to think about how someone who's being victimized with trafficking, it might be hard for them to make a report because everybody knows everybody. Mm -hmm. So in traffickers, some of them are smart, right? So they'll play themselves a certain way. They don't look like a certain type of person that's dangerous. So if someone who is being victimized might appear incoherent or maybe has some criminal history in their background, 
unfortunately, society might create this narrative around them that they are the problem, yeah. the problem <laughs> rather than the trafficker, um, which can make reporting really difficult. Yeah. Um, even just to our loved ones. So if someone is saying to a family member or a friend or a coworker, you know, I'm in trouble or this situation is occurring, they might not use the word trafficking either mm-hmm. because a lot of people, even within our rural community, think it doesn't happen here. Yeah including our trafficking survivors and victims. So that can make it tricky to disclose that process and to receive help from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I know that there are a lot of stereotypes about human trafficking, um, like on social media or in movies and TV shows, um, and those make it a lot more difficult for people to actually understand what trafficking is Mm -hmm. and to identify it, like you said, even if it is something that's happening to them. so what's one big stereotype or myth around human trafficking that you would crush right now if you could? Yeah, that there is no perfect Hollywood victim mm-hmm. that's in front of us. Uh, trafficking survivors present in many different ways. And in Hollywood, there's usually the same narrative or character that's right. depicted, which is um, a soft, kind of vulnerable, you know, and well-liked individual by society who just was in the wrong place at the wrong time Mm -hmm. in a one-time incident where they were like kidnapped or one time lured into a situation. Mm -hmm. And that does happen. Absolutely. It happens here in the U S but it's really boiling down to us considering how there's so many different individuals with many different lived experiences that are experiencing this too. Mm -hmm. And it might not be somebody that we deem as, easy to serve in the sense of like, okay, just go to this agency and just tell them that you're being trafficked right? and then you'll get the help. A lot of people who are in those situations, again, like I said before, might not realize they're being trafficked, Mm -hmm. but then it might not be safe for them to receive those services yet because that trafficker might be more powerful than the resources that we have available. Yeah. So it's important for us to remember to be patient when we are considering those stereotypes and the realities of trafficking. Right. Yeah. I know. Like what you described earlier, literally you were describing the movie Taken. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That movie really scared me when I watched it. And when I first watched it, I was young and I didn't know a lot about trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I know that, like you said, things like that do happen, yeah. but not as often, especially in our area. It's a lot more of like people you know right um are traffickers yeah um or the ones who traffic you um i think that i read also in researching for just this month um that family and yes. friends and even partners or parents are the ones that are most often the traffickers right yeah let's talk about that for a second because that's huge within yeah. our area And yes, I'm speaking of central Illinois (laughs) right now. Um, Family-based trafficking is a new area of research, I would argue, even though it's been occurring forever, right? Um, Same thing with trafficking. That's been going on forever because it's modern-day slavery. So the exploitation of humans has always occurred. Um, But when we're thinking about family-based trafficking, whether of youth, so kids within the household, or another adult... Um, That thrives here because trafficking doesn't require transportation. So I think that's a big myth, too, that falls into this, is that somebody would have to be transported out of state or to a warehouse of some sort Mm -hmm. to be trafficked when families can do it within their household 
therefore it's undetected, especially in rural communities where we're all spread out. Right. Um, and we might know each other, right? We might know our neighbors, but do we really know our neighbors, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. And that goes for anywhere. But again, considering how um, disguised this is and yeah. swept under the rug and just invisible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the transporting of people, that's more human smuggling yes. than human trafficking, right? Yes. Okay. It that's can go hand in hand. Right. But yeah, no, it's totally independent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, of human smuggling, I feel like that's a big misconception about how people do have to be moved from one place to mm-hmm. another. Um, and something that we're seeing more and more often, especially within the pandemic, that's kind of crushing that narrative is um, online. Yes. Trafficking. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So with online trafficking, um, and again, if we're specifically talking about sex trafficking. Right. So we're looking at um, non-consensual images or videos posted online of mm-hmm. others that could have been pre-recorded um, and used as blackmail mm-hmm. even, right, that are posted then. But that counts in any um, sexual activity with a minor outside of, like, a partner, I guess, that they would choose, let's say, for, mm-hmm. like, you know, choice of words. That's automatically trafficking. Right. There's no such thing as child prostitution. And a lot of that does occur online. Yeah. So, or at least the grooming and the buildup to it. So we are seeing that thrive during the pandemic because more people are online. Mm -hmm. And also it's just easier to access. So traffickers have found new way because of the pandemic to really broadcast that online a little bit under the radar. And it is hard to detect because there's so much out there. So that's why it really falls on us to make reports when we do see something online. And that can even be on Facebook, (laughs) on those like, you know, local pages where we see a post of somebody promoting services, whether sexual or labor, Mm -hmm. to really kind of consider, is this person posting that or is somebody else possibly behind the scenes posting on their behalf? Right. Yeah. So a really good documentary on that is I Am Jane Doe talking about how that happened with Backpage.com. Okay. And that just starts to give us insight to the considerations with the pandemic and how trafficking has skyrocketed. Well, thanks. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. Um, so I have one last question for you. Um, what should someone do if they think that they're witnessing trafficking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely call the trafficking hotline. Um, you can text it as well. Mm-hmm. And you're able to call um, without that person that you suspect. But if you're with them and they're needing assistance with that, you can be with them in that process. They will take those hotline calls too. Um, but just, you know, put the little pieces together. We don't ask that you put yourself in a situation that's dangerous right. for you. So definitely don't intervene in the sense physically if you are suspecting that. But definitely call the hotline which will get connected with local police and then tip them off. Yeah. And at least keep track of what's going on. But a common example that's promoted in ways that you can get involved, since we are talking about like truck stops, is if you see something a little sketchy, right? So, and I mean like somebody's in a car and they're talking to someone, it doesn't look like it's a pleasant conversation. And it seems like the other person's being forced to go out and meet with somebody else, either in a truck cab or at the stop in a car Mm -hmm. or leave to go to like a hotel or a motel or something, that can be an indicator that they're not doing this consensually, right? Right. So that they're being forced. So you can go into the truck stop and say, hey, I'm seeing some behavior I'm concerned about. Can you call the local police? I'll call the hotline, right? Right. So even delegating 
task and who can get involved, more eyes on it are going to really help us be able to track those um, patterns that we see in our area. And that's one way that we can get involved. Right. Yeah. And that um, National Human Trafficking Hotline number that Amanda mentioned is 888-373-7888. And like Amanda said, there is also a text line where you can contact if you're not able to call. Mm-hmm. So definitely utilize that. They had a huge, huge number of hotline calls and text calls, well, text messages, right. um, through the hotline service this year um, with the pandemic and because knowledge is spreading. So mm-hmm. utilize it. It's a fantastic resource. And if you suspect it's somebody in your own life being trafficked, one, I just want to say it's great that you care about them enough to be considering that. And have a conversation with them, but similar to anybody else in a possible crisis situation, never try to force them to do something they're not comfortable with Mm -hmm. and follow their lead. So they know their situation best. It might not be safe for them to leave or make a report at this moment, but you can offer yourself as a resource or support in the meantime and help provide them with information on their situation because many folks might not realize they're being trafficked or abused. Especially if it's within a family or by a partner or something like that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for joining us today and for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Once again, thank you so much to Amanda for joining us. Don't forget that there are things that you can do right now to help end human trafficking. Get involved in an awareness campaign such as Blue Heart. Begin to do research and educate yourself on things like trafficking in rural communities, the warning signs of trafficking, grooming, and of course, you can always reach out to SACUS to request programming or to see when our next human trafficking prevention webinar is taking place. If you would like to learn more about SACUS and the other services that we offer, you can visit our website at www.sacus.org. Have a great day and a wonderful weekend, and we look forward to seeing you next time.